It's a privilege to be here with you this morning. My wife and I have been a part of New Community for almost two years. Prior to that, New Community had a remarkable influence on our family through our oldest daughter, who was a part of your church family even before we moved to Chicago. And New Community is our, is our church home. I'm, I'm just curious, how many of you would say that New Community is my church home? Not about membership, but just my church home, is that right? So um, don't be reticent, don't be shy. Uh, Dallas Willard said that there's strength in actually physically doing something like kneeling. You're kind of, your, your body tells your being that we're serious about this. And so maybe you should just raise your hand again. How many of you, just tell, tell your being that you belong here. Raise your hand say, I'm here. This, this is my church family. Good. Well, I, before I uh, came to Chicago, Beth and I came to Chicago, going way back, I was on staff with uh, campus ministry in the, in the uh, uh, Wisconsin area with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship for a number of years. And after that, uh, my wife and I planted a church together in the Milwaukee area, and we were there for 10, 12 years, depending on how you count those things. Maybe seemed like forever sometimes. And then we uh, heard about a covenant church that asked us to uh, be part of their uh, leadership at Hillcrest Covenant in the Kansas City area. And so we transitioned to this denomination and really have enjoyed being a part of the richness of uh, this group of people that we're part of. And while I was there, I had many friendships develop over that time. But in ministry, you have friendships with peers in ministry too. And one of my good friends, we still text and call back and forth uh, today, is Pastor John Brooks. He's the pastor of Macedonia Baptist in Kansas City, a vibrant church. And if you ever go to Kansas City, you have to go to Macedonia. It's a really rich place of worship and John is a fine fine teacher and preacher and tell him I said hello uh, but in our conversation and relationship with each other God's gift to me was that I could just understand dynamics that were true of the way I saw the world that were just really broken weren't particularly clear I remember one day John and I were going to meet together for lunch and uh, on sports radio as I was driving in there was this big debate over um, whether, um, uh, it, it, whether it was reasonable for, um, shoot, what's his name? Barry Bonds, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember the guy anymore. Barry Bonds to be in the Hall of Fame, uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, some of you might know he's just this, uh, not famous enough to be remembered by me, obviously, a person, but just a remarkable baseball player, incredible athlete. And uh, what people understood about Barry Bonds that he actually used steroids. And so he broke records and in the middle of the steroids era of baseball. And so the big debate was, does he even deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? You know, someone was saying, yeah, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but you better put an asterisk next to, here, next to his name because he did it with steroids, no doubt about it. And so I'm sitting down with John over lunch. I said, John, what do you think about this whole debate? And he says, Mark, he said, if you're going to put an asterisk next to Barry Bond's name in the Hall of Fame, then you've got to put an asterisk next to Babe Ruth's name in the Hall of Fame. I said, what? John, you're crazy. No. Do you know who, who Babe Ruth played against? None of my brothers. He said, Babe Ruth never received a pitch from an African-American athlete. Put an asterisk next to that name. And I thought, Whoa, I guess that's right. He says, you're talking about the steroids era of baseball? Why don't we talk about the era of baseball where there were no African-Americans that even got to play the game? And you want to talk about football? Johnny Unitas and all of the, your heroes? There were, there were no men on the line that came from any of my neighborhoods. And you know, they're pretty good athletes. 
And I realized that my whole construct for thinking about what matters and what's real was misguided by the world I lived in. And uh, what a great place for us as a church like this, multicultural church, to have conversations about those kinds of things and issues of race and the way we're misguided. But I don't want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about something else that can be misguided in our heads so easily. And it's our construct in regards to what the church is. You see, I think in ways it's easy for us to think that church is something that actually might be broken or misguided. The church in the United States is this organization. We have some, some sense of what's normal. And one of those pieces of it that is, is normal, or that we call normal, that is uh, clarified is actually in the book of Colossians, a letter that Paul wrote to the Colossae church. And I want to just take a few minutes and look at the introduction to that and pray that in the midst of this, God would just help us to think more clearly about what's real and, and what the character of the church is all about rather than a broken construct that we might be embracing because nobody's told us any different than that. So if you turn with me in your smartphones, if you've got Bibles in front of you, to Colossians chapter 1. I just want to read through. So just sit back and listen if you want to. I want to read through the introduction to this letter that Paul wrote and just uh, note a couple of things and then we're going to spend time in communion. No better way to finish a service than actually to be reminded that Jesus is the core of who we are uh, and, um, and, um, and who God is. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters. Let me just say something about that word holy because I think it can trip us up. We might think that holy means, well, that means he's talking to perfect people. That's not what the word means in this context. The word means those people who are devoted to taking another path with their life. To be holy in that regard. To say, I know there are a lot of ways to live my life. Holy for me is I am devoted to the path that Jesus invites me on and gives me the capacity to live by because of his strength. Doesn't mean I will always be perfect, but it means I am certainly devoted to this path. And that's what holiness means here. And that's who Paul was addressing, a group of people that, as um, Pastor Peter just said, you know, that want to get well, right? And that's where we are, right? I mean, in this place, we're people that are devoted to a path and we want to get well. Not just Pastor Peter. It's, it happens for churches. I mean, think about us, who we are here in this room with all of our stories, all of our brokenness, all of those regrets, all of the ways we've hurt other people. And yet, that's who God calls together. That's why we're drawn together. With the messiness of that and us trying to figure out what does that look like. Well, that, that's who, that's who um, it, it, Paul was addressing here. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the love you have for all God's people, the faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven, and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Now, in case you missed it, who is this letter being addressed to? To the Colossians. To the people, right? To the church. It's not addressed to the senior pastor of the church of Colossae, is it? 
It's addressed to all of God's people, brothers and sisters. It's not even addressed to the leadership team. So who is the church? The church is not the lead pastor. Church is not even the leadership team. The church is actually the church. Just all of you that just raised your hand just a minute ago. And if you weren't a part of this church, you're probably raising your hand, I, I, I belong or go someplace else. You're the church. This is a story about the people of God. And the church will never be the lead pastor or the leadership team of the church. It's far more remarkable and whole than that. Just kind of drives me crazy sometimes when I go by signs on churches and there's the name of the senior pastor right there on the front of it. There's something about it that just kind of just kind of rubs me wrong because that's not the church. And we even say, it's, well, what church do you go? I go to Pastor Peter's church. No, you don't. I don't. Peter doesn't. We go to the church, which is brothers and sisters who have resolved to be on a path following Jesus. That's, that's what the church is. He goes on and he talks a little bit further in verse 6. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been, it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Verse 10, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience. There's more here. This story is about the people of God who make an impact. It's part of our vision statement, isn't it? We just read it at the beginning of the service, that last clause, and radically advance the cause of Jesus. How does that happen? It happens because God is at work in us. The only way God's church makes an impact isn't if the preacher preaches a good sermon on Sunday. Isn't if the leadership team makes a really great leadership church. It's if the church decides to be the church and welcomes God to come into our lives and make a difference in us. A friend of mine who talks about, uses, uses this picture. Can you imagine somebody who has an orchard going out in the orchard in the springtime and say, it is springtime, everybody, bear fruit. And then all of the trees go, ah, and just try as hard as they can to bear fruit. That's not how it works, is it? No, here's what happens is the person who owns the orchard actually cultivates the ground trims the trees, waits for the sun to shine and the weather to warm, and the trees bear fruit. It just comes from within. And the good that God will do through your life and through our life together won't be because we... It'll be because Spirit of the living God and our willingness to be shaped and formed by God allows fruit to be born through a life. This story is about the people of God who make an impact because of God's grace within them. It says it over and over again. I ask God to fill you. The Spirit 
gives. Thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Verse, verse, light. verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins that's what God invites us to do to actually be the church and be open to what God will by his grace and his power do through us and see what happens one more thing I want to point out to you before we move to communion and that's in the, essentially, it's a sister uh, uh, um, letter. It's a companion letter to the book of, letter of Colossians. It's the letter of Ephesians. You'll see a lot of similarities between the two of them. And if you go to Ephesians, actually in Ephesians chapter 4, there's more of a clarification as far as how this whole thing happens. There's a, there's a list of descriptors of what the church, the people of the church, look like in fact in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 it says this but to each one of us that is each one of you and me grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it a little bit further on it says so Christ gave so Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and the teachers and this is an abbreviated list of all of the different ways that God gifts every single person in the church to make a contribution to this goal. He's mentioned the longer list in other places. Right here he abbreviates it and gets to this point. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you see how that happens? It happens when each one of us embrace our unique uh, contribution to the church through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and make a difference. And that happens when we all reach fullness. That's the goal. Until we all reach maturity, every single one of us. Let me just uh, try to give you a picture of what this looks like. Imagine you're in class. I know some of you say, I I'm just trying to imagine I'm not in school anymore. But just, it's coming towards the end, and the professor says to you, uh, final grades, in fact, I've decided that the grade you get on the final is a grade you get for the whole course. And in fact, I'm not going to grade on a curve. I'm not going to set a particular grade level. Here is how you're going to be graded in this class you will be graded same way everybody else would. Everybody's going to get the same grade. And here's what that grade will be. It will be the grade of the lowest score on the final exam. So whatever score is the lowest in this room, that's the grade for all of you. Can you imagine how that would change the dynamic in the classroom? All of a sudden, all of a sudden someone says, does anybody need help with this particular dimension of calculus? I'm right here for you. I'll stay up all night. I'll be there whenever you need me to be there, right? Because we're all realizing that we're in this thing together. And each of us have unique contributions that we can help the other with so that we all do well on the final exam. It actually sounds just like the church. God says he has given us all capacities, stories, strengths, 
abilities for the benefit of everyone so that we all reach maturity in Christ. So the question for each one of us, me and you, and everyone who raised their hand in here this morning is this. It is not, what is it the leaders are asking me to do? It's, what's God prompting me to do? Did you raise your hand? Then that's your question. God, what do I contribute to the strength of this church community to which I belong? What stories will I tell about what God has done? What strengths, what energy, what will I use to benefit this church? And if we decide to live that way, the impact of new community will be stronger in this chapter than it has been before. So as we gather together now around communion, let me pray for us that God would give you a relentless passion to ask that question of the Lord and discernment to know where that leads you and the way it encourages us. Would you please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can call you Father. And you call us together in this place and you equip each of us to be able to serve one another. I'm thankful, Lord, for a, a, a church that wants to make sure that Peter during this time is strengthened and enriched and restored. And God, I know that you want that for this church as well too. So Lord, show us what it means for us to do that with each other and for each other also. In Jesus' name we pray.